Hi everyone. So uh, today I'm going to be speaking to Arman Sood, who's the co-founder of a coffee brand called Sleepy Owl Coffee. Sleepy Owl Coffee started out as a direct-to-consumer cold brew coffee brand from a two-bedroom apartment in New Delhi. Today, it serves over 60,000 customers and their coffee is sold in over 1000 retail outlets in Delhi and Mumbai. Arman went from being a lawyer to a coffee entrepreneur and I find that very inspiring and unique. He also made it to the Forbes 30 under 30 India list for 2020. I'm so excited to speak to him today and know more about his entrepreneurial journey. begin with Arman everyone's really eager to speak to you and everyone's so like inspired by your journey Thank so uh, for my uh, first question i'm just going to take you back to like grade 12 and uh, ask you like how did you uh, sort of go from t- like pcmb to uh, pursuing law <laughs> so i guess you know when i was say when i finished the 10th grade and it was time for choosing my subjects in the 11th and 12th grade uh my parents were keen that i look at uh, engineering or medicine as career options right and that's very typical of uh, parents in india i guess who want to push their kids towards engineering or medicine and my parents encouraged me for the same and uh, i decided that if i take pcmb then uh, i'd have all my options open you know uh it was it was yeah. the attitude that okay let's keep all options open and then we'll see from there where it goes and i don't think that was necessarily the best idea because having all options open means there's a lot more work to be done uh and yeah i spent most of my 11th and 12th grade uh you know uh studying late into the night trying to maintain my grades in all the subjects uh and at the same time kind of understanding what i'm interested in um and you know <clears throat> it was two very tough years and towards the end of the 11th and 12th grade i uh, you know decided that okay i want to pursue marine engineering because that felt uh, slightly you know not typical um and uh, you know being on the ship traveling the world uh, would have been an interesting proposition but around the time uh, you know when when the 12th grade boards were coming i found out that i'm color blind and color blindness uh, is not acceptable when it comes to uh, even even a minor amount of color blindness is not acceptable when you want to join the merchant navy and uh, that was when the decision was taken for me it's like you know okay what you really want to do in engineering is not happening and medicine felt too far fetched uh, for me i'm a very emotional person I, i don't think i could deal with patients um so so then my my dad was like you know what what do you like doing and i i i like debating i like talking uh, i like arguing and he said why don't you consider law and see if that is something you're interested in and immediately i was excited about it I'm, i'm quite flippant that way so i was like okay cool like you know and i i took one month off to prepare for my law entrance examinations and i finally chose to go to general global law school and pursue my degree there so yeah it was it was an exciting transition um but uh, nonetheless like it you know kind of made me realize that it, it doesn't matter what subjects you study it's you you can you know always choose to pursue what you're interested in uh, and take it from there Okay, and then from having from law, you went on to start a coffee company, which is also like which is amazing. So how did that happen? Like so, like what were you doing before that, and how did that transition happen to start? So when I joined law school uh, in 2010, I was quite excited about uh, the legal field. I spent a lot of time studying and like maintaining my grades in the first two years. It's a five-year course. Uh, so you can imagine i spent five long years studying a subject uh, uh, or a discipline in which i have nothing to do today um 
but uh, <laughs> the first two years were intense. I I did study a lot and I did try and like you know grasp all the subjects. But I met my roommate and my uh, co-founder of Sleepyard, Ashwajit, in law school, and he encouraged me to think broader. He just said like you know okay, we have five years here, and while you're gonna spend these five years, like everybody else is also gonna do it, why don't we also explore like other opportunities or see what else we can do uh, with our extra time that we might have. And um, you know, I gave in, and I was like, "Okay, let's let's see what's happening." And that's when we kind of that's around that time was the first time I even heard the word entrepreneurship. Like, I didn't even know that word existed, uh, you know, let alone the spelling or the pronunciation of it. And uh, <clears throat> on researching a little, I understood that okay, like the idea, uh, you know, of entrepreneurship is to uh, find a, find an area or a problem, work towards solving it, and in the process of solving that problem, you can make money. Right, and you can add value, and you can you know deliver a product or a service to a customer. And when I you know understood this picture, Ashwajit and I would spend a lot of time brainstorming about what are the gaps that we see in our day-to-day lives, or gaps that we see in the market that we can fill with our skill set. Right. Um, when I was 19, uh, just at the start of the third year of law school, we launched our first company together, uh, which was called Eshack, and we were retailing bar and party accessories. Right, so we were inspired by the American party culture, and uh, yeah, this you know a lot of people might not know of this uh, story, but we were inspired by the uh, you know American party culture and the college party culture, and we said, okay, uh, we love drinking beer, but what about beer accessories like beer pongs, beer pong tables, uh, you know, uh, beer glasses, all of these cool things that like you know we feel that uh, people in the age group of twenty to thirty would want. Right, and um, you know, we didn't know anything about starting a business, but we just had. And I keep saying this even now that all you need to do is Google, right? Uh, so we started googling and figuring out, okay, if we want to buy bar accessories and we want to sell them, where do we start? So that's when we found out about Alibaba, and we started imp- and we went through the process, spoke to family, friends, lawyers, registered a company. Uh, you know, we had professors who also guided us at that time in law school on how to go about the basics. Uh, taxation, you know, all all things that go into starting a company, and we imported bar accessories from China without ever visiting China. We just uh, skyped with suppliers, uh, and uh, you know, struck deals on Skype by chatting with them in broken English um, and convincing them to you know uh, send us goods. And then we went about setting up an e-commerce website, um, and yeah, soon enough we were selling our goods online all over the globe you know, when the e-commerce boom was just happening and picking up. And it, it was a great experience. The business failed, nonetheless. We were too early. We were too young. Uh, you know, uh, sports activities with extracurriculars, um, and among all of this, we also squeezed our time to you know run a business. And uh, it was exciting. This is this is only third year in law school. Correct. Third, fourth, and fifth. We spent three years doing this. Um, so it, it was not. It you know it was uh, it was a side gig, if I can call it that, right? So it was part time. And when things are part time, they don't usually always get the required attention that they deserve. Also, yeah, right. So in hindsight, maybe like if I would run the same business model and the same proposition again, I would uh, you know I think it would it would do well. But at that point, we were still learning, right? We were very young. And uh, we made our share of mistakes, but our parents had a simple goal. They funded the business. They gave us the initial seed capital uh, to to try our hand at this. But they just had one instruction saying that you cannot drop out, come what may, right? So whether it succeed, whether it fails, it doesn't matter. You are finishing your law degree, uh, you know. And I think I guess that's one thing that Indian parents have is like, okay, we want you to have that uh, stability or that thing to fall back on. Yeah. 
you know so so that was it and um, you know we we enjoyed ourselves yeah yeah so i was actually going to get to that in my next question because so many people have asked me this you know like especially with indian parents and even your own like inhibitions about leaving like a, a job in law which is more like stable and more uh, sort of i don't know like looked up more and something that your parents wanted to do so how was that transition like was it challenging did your parents were your parents encouraging you to start your own business or uh, like how and leaving your job how was that so not really yeah. uh, you know what happened was when we finished when you were in the 5th year and about to finish law school right our parents still kept asking us okay what's happening with ishak what's happening with uh, you know uh, your law internships which you never did uh, are you sitting for the placements uh, you know will you be applying to companies for jobs and there were all of these questions around like you know what's next and uh, you know honestly we weren't sure we had no idea so we did sit for some interviews we did one or two internships in the end and we were figuring it out but somewhere deep down the whole experience of running a business uh, you know uh, both ashdeep and i realized that after law school's over we should figure a way out to get ourselves back into business get into that stream um and um, yeah like you know when when uh, when when it came to finally make a decision we didn't have a solid idea at that point in time to execute and we'd already uh, i guess burnt all the capital that our parents had given us for our first business uh, and we left with nothing so so ashwiti decided to work at kora jeans which is a fashion startup uh, selling selvage denim jeans right so he took that job as their brand head uh, and it's very interesting how he even got that job imagine a lawyer applying to a jeans company for a job right uh, you know so the story is fun so he actually um, you know uh, ordered a pair of jeans right and it had uh, some issues and some things that he wasn't happy with so he wrote an extremely long and detailed email to the founder of the company saying that uh, you know i have uh, this is my feedback these are the things where you can improve these are the marketing things you can do so on and so forth and he got a call from the founder the next day saying come and meet me you know i'm excited to hear about your thoughts and opinions on what you have and that's how he landed that job straight out of law school wow. uh, i had a family friend in mumbai running an education technology startup and uh, i moved to bombay to work uh, again doing marketing and public relations for uh, the edtech company so the idea for both of us was to join startups that are doing interesting business and learn from them and figure out like you know how it really works how because what we did earlier was a dorm room startup that right? was just the two of us and nobody else but yeah. to work in real organizations gave us a sense of ownership experience uh, we met interesting people but you know tishla uh, once that itch comes in right of wanting to do something of your own it doesn't go so we had that itch and um, this is around the time when um, you know ajay our third co-founder was coming back from the us and he too wanted to start something in india and he was working in new york and he was coming back and he's ashwiji's childhood friend so okay. so they both grew up together so ajay and i didn't uh, you know we hadn't met but we knew of each other from ashwiji and i remember uh, you know uh, how sleepy all happened uh, so so one fine day like ashdeep called me and said he's extremely frustrated with uh, his his work at his job and he feels like he could be doing a lot more and a lot more for himself and he was uh, keen to you know want to start something with me so he gave me the opportunity to you know join him on an interesting venture uh, which at that point we were entirely sure what it was going to be so i said ashdeep we need to have a solid idea if we're going to do it again uh you know and we're going to get into this we should um, so he called me saying that the, uh, the the coffee in his office is in great and that uh you know uh, he still struggles to find a great cup of coffee and um you know he he uh, he asked me about my experiences and i too realized that my office 
in in Mumbai didn't have great coffee, and every time I even needed a cup uh, of fresh coffee, I had to venture out to the nearest Starbucks or Cafe Coffee Day, uh, which to me were both average cups. But I'd end up, you know, end up spending 150 to 200 rupees from your salary to just have a cup of coffee, right? And by then, neither of us were willing to settle for instant coffee or office machine-made coffee. So, you know, that's how that's how we got together and said we have to do something in this in the coffee space or in the coffee world. Uh, and we started brainstorming about ideas, and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and then Sleepy Owl happened. Okay, so and one uh, question I had was that like, at what point did you leave your job to like? At what point was Sleepy Owl when you decided to quit your job and start Sleepy Owl? Like, at what stage of like what stage of the idea had you reached? Like, you have a fulfilled plan by then, or? No, so so I remember uh, Ashwajit, uh, you know, he quit his job in Delhi and he came to Bombay and told me like, uh, it's like, you know, I mean, he asked me to quit my job as well. But at that point, I don't think I had the courage, uh, you know, to, to immediately quit my job. And Ashwajit was keen on like, you know, moving fast with the ideas. Uh, so he actually quit his job and came to Mumbai to live with me. I still went for my day job and uh, I would, go, you know, go to work during the day and come back. And at night, Ashwajit and I would sit uh, uh, and uh, we, you know, brainstorm and we think of ideas. And I think a couple of months into our research, um, you know, we we actually, uh, uh, you know, when the moment we identified that it was cold brew, right? That cold brew was the space in the coffee world that was missing, and that we could do something was when I decided to quit my job. Right? We still didn't figure out our, you know, production, our supply, where the coffee would come from. Nothing was clear, but we just knew that. That you know, we we had this idea around doing something in the cold brew space, and um, and then we and then we and then I quit my job. Yeah. Also, like uh, to be very honest, like I'm not a coffee drinker at all. I've just been really inspired by those sleepy old journey. So how did you? And I want to also like only found out like three days back what cold brew coffee is. Like I know there's iced coffee and there's like regular hot brew coffee. So like, how did you think of introducing cold brew coffee specifically? Like and considering it wasn't so popular back then so the thing is uh, you know growing up we always had uh, cold brew coffee you can do coffee is essentially a way of brewing coffee in cold water overnight right and uh, this process uh, reduces the acidity and the bitterness in the coffee um, so uh, you know essentially growing up we drank I mean everyone remembers drinking cold coffee right like a Nescafe cold coffee so yeah. uh, we found that the Indian consumer uh, you know would find cold brew coffee very palatable and tasty and it's not as bitter or harsh so that people could then therefore enjoy black coffee right um, so yeah that that was the genesis of it uh, we still didn't know like the rest of uh, how do how will we get the cold brew coffee to the customer etc but we just knew that this is the space that's ripe and also uh, you know maybe a year or two before we thought we, we you know stumbled upon cold brew and started enjoying it ourselves uh, it was poised to become a global trend right there were a few companies in the US and the UK and in Australia that were already on the cold brew bandwagon uh, and it, it you know gave us the idea that okay like India doesn't have a single cold brew coffee company and the numbers here would enjoy it yeah, and then uh, this one question, just that like that one thing that really gave you the courage to quit your job because I know so many people who are kind of like dabbling in that space where they want to like quit their job but they're not able to and I understand that some people might have like you know for people who actually come from work it's easier to sort of because you get that initial funding from your parents or your family but for someone who wants to like start their own thing what is that one thing that really gave you courage and push you to like start this? So uh 
you know, to be honest, like, uh, I don't know how it would have been if we didn't have the support of, say, friends and family, right? Because we were lucky to, uh, you know, A, come from, uh, I, I believe, maybe privileged backgrounds, but also to have the support of our parents and, and, and you know, their initial backing, not just in terms of a seed investment that they did give us to start it, but all three of our parents were very supportive of us trying our hand at something uh, own right uh, and of course it wasn't like you know uh, we just asked them we pitched to them we pitched our business okay. idea we made them try our product and uh, we convinced them that we're on to something super exciting and that this would make us truly happy you know doing this and executing this would make us truly happy and our parents uh, you know were supportive uh, all throughout so had they not been as supportive i don't know uh, you know where i would have necessarily got the courage to make the plunge but having said that, uh, you know, I think uh, for to work hard and execute all your plans and ideas, right? And fight the odds. Um, so, so you have to be, you have to, you know, convince your, they also say, you know, when you're starting something, if you can't convince your friends and family in terms of what your idea or product is, uh, you won't be able to convince your customers and therefore investors and so on and so forth, right? So at the very least, you have to convince your near and dear ones that what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Yeah, true. And did you, do you like by starting out think of like law as a plan B, B that okay, if this doesn't work out, I might go back to law or was it like, no, like I'm done with like my nine five and this is what I'm going to do like for the rest of my life? So, uh, no, I mean like, uh, you know, at that point, we didn't have a plan B. Uh, no, we didn't have a plan B and we went all in. Like you can't, you can't dip your toes in the water and expect results. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to dive straight into yeah. the pool and get yourself drenched and that's the only time you'll see results so we didn't have like it wasn't part-time anymore unlike the previous business uh so you know uh, it was always full-time even though all my lawyer friends and like other people even two years into the business were like oh are you doing this full-time like is this all you do you know but uh, i think i guess sometimes people fail to realize uh, that how uh, you know how difficult it is to get uh, a business like this together and up and running uh, okay so am i coming to sleep yeah, can you talk, tell me like in terms of market search, was there a lot of like number crunching and you know what like financial experts expect you to do or was this was this more of a personal observation that okay, there's no coffee here which we like, so we're going to launch this. So what did your research look like? So uh, no, there wasn't any, uh, you know, uh, I don't think there was any like detailed market research or, you know, financial projections of the business at that point in time. Uh, we just went back to a very simple, uh, you know, uh, funda that Ashwati says is that identify a problem and see if that problem can be solved, right? Uh, can we can we solve this problem that uh, we have identified? And first, it's, it's identifying, okay, like we faced it ourselves, right? Uh, we realized that, you know, we couldn't find a good cup uh, in a very easy and convenient manner. So once we identified that, we looked at what were the options available in the market then, right? There were a few startups selling third wave coffee, uh, but they were selling process. So we identified that there will be more people like us who don't want to go through the hassle or the trouble of brewing, uh, but instead would want a simple, easy, convenient, but great quality cup, right? Uh, and other end of our research took us to that, okay, India itself is one of the fourth largest exporters of coffee in the world, and some of the best coffee grows in India, right? Then why are we drinking instant coffee? Why isn't it easily available to consumers? Now, can we bridge the availability of great coffee to giving a great coffee product to consumers who we think need it, right? Um, by now, we quit our jobs, so there was no going back to market research. We had to, you know, figure out from then on on a day-to-day -day basis and execute it.
like so initially when you launched like you know eventually it's like more of organic growth but when you just launched how did you sort of like push the product initially like what platforms did you use or like how was the, how did the, like those first thousand sales say, come in so um you know when we when we launched on 14th june 2016 that was the day we sold our first product um we sold direct to consumer from our website right um so again the first i wouldn't say the first thousand but the first couple of hundred orders were friends family competitors uh, you know everybody who uh, you know we announced to on our social media uh, we had friends kind enough to share and reshare and reshare and the word spread that we are up and running and uh, people started ordering uh, beyond the first i'd say hundred orders that came from friends and family uh, it became a word of mouth uh, you know sort of push and a uh, social media push to an extent where people who started receiving their products started posting about it right uh, we ensured from the beginning that uh, you know first first is packaging right once you want to have uh, a stand out packaging or a stand out photography people at least uh, notice you from amongst all the noise that is there uh, you know on your phones the whole day right so once they notice that they're like okay this looks cool we want to try it right so you know they hit the buy button they get the product to their home and then is the whole experience right the customers that uh, get your product initially or even all throughout uh, if they have a good experience right uh, they begin to talk about it to their friends and family uh, letting them know that this is the cool new thing they tried right um so that really worked for us because coffee uh, a is an addiction right so you know people who enjoy the product start drinking a lot more of it uh to more than your you know what shampoo you're using or what face wash you're using people like to talk about what coffee they're drinking right uh so from that perspective like you know friends started telling their friends so on and so forth and it gave us the initial push but post that post the first like 30 to 45 days we started going to i guess local blogs like lbb so delhi what's hot delhi so on and so forth and we started uh you know uh, all of these companies they have two farms one is a you know paid medium for them to do you know you pay them to market you and the other is more of an organic option where uh, you know how we did it was we went to them and we gave uh, coffee to all of the staff in their office and we encouraged them to try our product and in exchange just write about the fact that we exist right so i think lbb really helped us at that point in time because when they wrote about us and sent messages to their audience uh, we got a you know a very very good response from that um, and for the first 6 to 8 months we uh, you know were completely bootstrapped so we didn't invest money in digital marketing in terms of google or facebook ads uh, but we were completely organic but there is a point when you know that stalls and you want to start spending to acquire new customers right who see your ads so on and so forth so so, so about 8 months into the business uh, i believe we were late uh, but you know that's when we said okay we're going down uh, this route Okay. And uh, so, in terms of like you just spoke about funding, so can you tell me like in like how uh, how difficult is it to get funded? Like, is it like oh you have like a good product and you make the right pitch and you just get funded, or like how challenging is that? How uh, it's it's a grueling process. Uh, getting getting funding, uh, you know, and getting investors to back you, be it an angel investor, be it uh, you know a seasoned venture capitalist, it's a very grueling process. uh it's not uh you know it's not that uh you know only one aspect the product or the customer experience has to be good like it has to be an overall ecosystem so not only do you have to have a great product you also have to show uh you know great sales in terms of how customers are actually consuming your product right you have to 
uh, also show what your uh, trajectory is down the line, right? Like when we when we initially started, we had one product, right? But uh, once once that was a hit and people started enjoying it, we started figuring out, okay, what's next? Like you know, what are the other products that we can do? What are consumers ecos- uh, excited about? Ecosystem is the fancy word that I can use for this. Was so the overall ecosystem that you know would uh, would need to be in place to get funding. Um, I guess, uh, um, uh, other than all of this, even novelty, right? Like, we were never a me-too player, right? Uh, the, the product that we launched, uh, you know, our company with was not available anywhere else. So, we were almost first movers when it came to that product. And that, uh, you know, was a, was a big help for us because we were, we were creating a category uh, and we were, uh, you know, working hard to educate consumers and build that loyalty. So, so that really helped us. Uh, Above all of this, like, uh, you know, uh, once there's a certain excitement about a category or product in the market, investors start reaching out to you, right? Yeah. So, uh, we were lucky to be at that end of the spectrum where more than us having to go out, we started getting inquiries, uh, you know, uh, with respect to where is your business, you know, how, you know, how, how quickly are you growing, what are your plans? And um, uh, even though at that time, you know, uh, we, we still weren't ready for funding, but the inquiries started pouring in and we worked hard over the next uh, 12 months. To you know, really build a solid uh, business, and then we went out to the market to raise money. Okay. And uh, so, uh, at what like till what point were you like micromanaging everything? Like, and at what point did you get in like a dedicated team for sales and marketing and like? Not until not until two years into the business, you know, that we started having dedicated teams. Like the good thing about our our business was with three co-founders. So among the three of us, we divided, uh, you know, the work. Whereas Ajay was handling finance, budgets, HR, investor relations. Ashujit, uh, uh, you know, who's uh, been uh, sharing all his insights on this live chat. We can add him to the chat, I think, if you want to. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he handles our fantastic social media, marketing and branding and packaging. And I look at operations and supply chain. So from the very beginning, the three of us, uh, you know, had clearly divided roles. Um, and uh, that really, that really allowed us to, you know, uh, you know, you know, make sure that we don't overlap and things proceed smoothly. Each of us had our own, you know, small teams of one or two people who were assisting us in the process. But not until very recently, like, have we gotten into bigger teams, right? So uh, it's all about micromanaging, getting your hands dirty all throughout the process. Okay, and uh, also, like, if you were to. Uh like uh, sort of tell us how how beneficial like did you go to any financial experts or like these consultants and was there uh, did the benefits outweigh the costs and was there like a change in operational uh, like strategy and stuff like after like getting some advice from them so um, you know we were we were lucky like uh, Ajay uh, is himself a financial analyst uh, he used to work yeah. at JP Morgan in New York before he uh, started Sleepy Owl with us so uh, he himself has like amazing insights uh, into you know how all of this works and how like we should handle pricing how we should budget ourselves you know what we need to raise from investors all of that right so he was very very adept at that um, and uh, of course like you know. Uh, I think it's very important to have mentors, right? So as you are on the uh, journey, right, you should seek interesting other interesting companies that you admire, uh, you know, other people in your network, right? Friends and family, uncles, aunts, like, you know, uh, figure out who's working where and like, you know, get them to uh, sit with you and spend some time and share their experiences, right? As founders under 25, 30, like, you know, with limited work experience, I think it's extremely crucial to go out there and seek mentorship. Right from the right people, and uh, we were fortunate to, you know, 
uh, managed to get a lot of meetings with friends and family uh, who had worked in uh, fantastic places and had a lot more experience and knowledge. And, uh, you know, they guided us a lot uh, during this process. Uh, operationally, um, I guess one of our biggest learnings was, you know, how to go from direct to consumer to offline retail. Yeah. Right. Uh, that that was a big uh, shift for us because initially when we went to retail stores, uh, we were unheard of brand and company amongst the Dabbers and Nestle's of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, these, you know, uh, we were not encouraged. Our product wasn't encouraged, uh, you know, in the stores. But the thing is, once you build a strong direct-to-consumer business, like I believe, uh, especially if your product can fit on the retail shelf, the customers themselves would go to stores and ask, you know, the modern bazaars of the world that, okay, like, where is this product? Why isn't it in your store? Right, uh, you know, I mean, early on, we would even say do it ourselves, uh, you know, to create some sort of an interesting uh, demand for it, and um, you know, that's that's what happened. Like, you know, the retail stores started calling us, and they were saying that, okay, can you can we stock your product? And that was when we realized that there's a lot of potential in retail as well, and that led to the genesis in our minds of the idea that okay, we want to do a ready to drink cold brew coffee. Uh, which we did launch after our uh, first round of funding that, uh, you know, that this is the product that's going to fly off the shelf and India really needs a clean label cold brew coffee. You know, one that is low in sugar, uh, you know, uh, healthy, uh, nothing like the Deepals and the Starbucks of the world. And uh, yeah, that's that's the product that we worked hard towards and uh, that is available across retail stores in NCR in Mumbai. And this was like all an iteration after you started from like consumer feedback and what you were saying, or was this something that was on like on your plan since day zero? Like it was actually on our plan since day zero, but uh, on day zero you you don't have the capital or the know-how to execute uh, a project of that nature, right? We actually wanted to start with a ready to drink cold brew coffee. But to do that and make a shelf-stable product, uh, you have to work with uh, a lot of partners, have a lot of resources uh, to do that, right? So we essentially, it goes back to the, the term minimum viable product, right? Uh, so we, we developed what was our minimum viable product and we um, launched uh, that first on our website and we grew slowly until the point when we had the resources, the money, the network, the knowledge to be able to launch a project of this scale. And I think that I'm glad it happened that way. Because uh, had we launched the bottle first, uh, we would have really struggled. It would have been a very, very tough, uh, you know, uh, journey. So uh, now if we could just take up some questions that have come in for you to answer. Actually, I'll actually answer the question, uh, the name that I came up with. So, so Sleepy Owl Coffee was actually yeah. idea. Uh, okay. I just, I, 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 before you were brainstorming ideas, I came up with the name uh, Red Cherry Coffee. Uh, because coffee is actually a cherry that, uh, you know, becomes, um, that, that once it gets uh, the bean and then, you know, so on and so forth. So that was my idea. Uh, and I definitely, it definitely sucks. How did you go about the supply chain? Because overall user experience is also very important. Lovely. That's a good question. Thank you, Hemang. So, uh, you know, there are, there are two aspects of the supply chain. One is raw material, right? Like getting the right coffee to us. Second is, uh, you know, I guess packaging and third would be delivery experience, right? So let's break it up into three parts. The uh, first part is sourcing of raw material. Uh, you know, when we, uh, we we actually knew very little about coffee uh, before we started, but it involved a lot of research, a lot of study to gather all the relevant information and learn about it, right? In fact, we even went down to Chikmangur and spent a few weeks there where we actually uh, worked with farmers. To, and, and we would ask them to educate us, you know, we, 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 and when you go to someone and you're humble and you tell them that, okay, you want to learn from them, right? Uh, that's when they're more excited to, you know, guide you and, and spend time with you. 
so most of our learning uh, initial learning came from farmers themselves and uh, you know uh, a lot of india's coffee is exported out so when we went to the farmer and said we want 5 kgs of coffee to start a business they were they were appalled but uh, one of them was kind enough to support us and he was like okay like you know i'm sure like no problem we can start with this quantity and uh, you know we we ordered a lot of different kinds of coffee um of, of different roasts of different types uh and we did a lot of production research at our end to come up with the right tasting product right um so i guess it's very very important first to know all about where your raw materials coming from and work hard to build a raw material supply chain right how often is it going to come how is coffee traded uh, what times of the year are they harvested all of these things with respect to the raw material the second would be uh you know packaging packaging supply chain um the uh, you know we we wanted to launch our product in glass bottles but it wasn't easy to do that at the point so we had to really innovate uh with respect to how we want to package our product so uh we managed to uh you know source some packaging material from china to make a bag in box packaging and honestly that packaging really really helped us stand out because there was no other beverage company in the whole country that was using that kind of packaging um so for, you know for for those uh, excited to see you'll find pictures on our social media or on our website of what that looks like um and uh, it really helped us stand out right so uh, we were dealing with vendors both in delhi as well as in china to put together our packaging material uh, and third would be uh, you know the kind of delivery partners you're working with because they are the ones taking the product from your factory to the consumer's house right so initially we started with a courier company but very soon we realized that we want to control our delivery and control the experience so we went the uh, you know uh, delivery rider way where we have our own fleet of riders who do deliveries around ncr uh, and you know make sure that the product reaches the customers so i guess like godly wants to look at all three aspects uh, to to build an ecosystem uh, that's the word i'm using okay we have uh, riya beda how did you go about product development also how do you develop your supply chain so i guess uh, the supply chain part answer but i'll answer riya's question on how we go about product development um so one uh, you know uh, one is customer feedback right uh, more often than not your customers themselves tell you uh, what uh, they're excited about and what they want and what you can do better right so initially we had only a you know one type of coffee which was a medium roast coffee that we called the original right but there was significant demand from customers uh, who wanted light roast or a dark roast or a cinnamon flavored right uh, and that allowed us to start working towards developing new products um with respect to uh, you know uh future products that are in completely different categories it involves uh, a lot of research trying and testing around what's happening in the world right uh, so you look at what's uh, you know what, what what interesting products are being launched across the world whether it fits into your category whether you can execute it here right so you look at all those factors and uh, it allows you to you have to also like kind of study uh, trends right what's trending what's working what's working in the world what's working with uh, in the global market overall um and uh, you know uh, to, to be honest all of the initial product development and uh, is done in house by us ourselves uh, you know so we're we're the taste testers uh, you know we do it within our office with our team and on the occasion with customers as well to get feedback from them them on what we can develop and how we can improve it only until day recently we started working with external parties to get us customer feedback and scores on the product so we can improve it further So yeah, product development is a fun part of the uh, of the business and journey. Then, uh, yeah. And how important is the role of co-founders in like 
supporting a business and how that I think, I, I think the role of co-founders is extremely, extremely important. Uh, I have one of my co-founders right here supporting me all through this conversation, uh, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, but no, on a serious note, I think uh, just the fact that we were three co-founders when we started, uh, uh, you know, uh, was a blessing. Um, I think, uh, you know, I don't think uh, we would have been able to do this without having each other as sounding boards through this journey, right? Uh, startups have ups and downs all throughout, right? And if you have uh, your co-founders, who in, you know, in my case are even my best friends, uh, to work with you. Uh, you know, throughout and, and be sounding boards and listen to, you know, uh, your problem solve issues together. Uh, I think that's extremely helpful. Uh, having said that, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of solo founders who are also successful, but then you have to build a very, very strong team around you, right? Uh, but with among the three of us, there's like an absolute uh, trust, absolute loyalty and commitment towards what we're building. And uh, I know we have each other's backs throughout this. And that allows you to sleep peacefully at night, uh, you know, and work and work towards building something. So uh, there's this other question I had from someone about. Uh, so, uh, with the uh, like in terms of cold brew coffee, the turnaround time for cold brew coffee, I think, is like like some twelve. Like you need to uh, keep it uh, like brew yeah, for twelve. Yeah, I need to brew for yeah, brew for twelve between twelve to twenty four hours. So was that a challenge, like in terms of because like if someone just wants to have coffee immediately and it's coming, it you have to. No, like no, it was hundred percent. So, 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 see, while uh, you know, um, see, because of that, when our customers give us the feedback, right, that sometimes they they don't want to wait twelve to sixteen hours to brew a cup of coffee, even though each time you do that, right, uh, you get a big batch of coffee that lasts in your fridge for a couple of days. Right, so once you spend that twelve hours, sixteen hours of brewing, you have enough coffee for the next two to three days, right, uh, or more, depending on how much you brewed, right. But a lot of times, people would forget to brew the night before, uh, and therefore in the morning not have coffee. So we we eventually realized that there is a strong demand for ready to drink uh, coffee. You know, a product that's ready off the shelf can be picked up, and that's what allowed us to work on the product development of the cold brew bottles, which essentially is the pick me up, right. And uh, just to wrap this up, Malam, there's like one piece of advice. Like, if you had to just give, give like that one piece of advice to someone who's like starting out in like a similar journey or is quitting like a nine to five, what is that one thing that keeps you going, like even on bad days? Because there can be, you know, everyone talks about like when this is like successful, but I'm sure there are so many like failures that build up to that one day. So, how do you go through these challenging days or like one major hurdle that you faced and how you like overcame that? Just. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say like in the initial days, once you started and you're on your journey, right? Um, I guess if you're making a great product, right, and giving great service to a customer, right? Any down days, like you can always look at the the feedback that cust the positive feedback that customers have given you, right? Like that keeps you going because you know what you're doing is really adding value, right? Uh, you're you're making a difference to the world by doing what you're doing, and on tough days like that should keep you going, right? Where you know that okay, like you're you're doing. You're not doing it for yourself. You're also doing it for your customer, right? Uh, you're doing it. Uh, you know, you're creating something of, that is of value to somebody else. So I think that goes a long way. Other than that, like have a strong tribe. You know, uh, your co-founders, your team. Uh, you know, if they are around you and they're supporting you, um, you can get through even the toughest of days, knowing that uh, you know that that this is what uh, you know is going to make it work. Okay. <laughs> and. Um... 
just one last question I have to you is, uh, could you like I saw one of your interviews and I found that one like uh, one story, one thing you spoke like when you spoke about how you went to a financial expert and they told you that your business was too small to be funded, right? Not something on those lines. And I thought that was rather interesting. So if you could like share that. With yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, you know, uh, very early on in the journey, uh, when uh, we started getting inquiries from investors on like uh, them wanting to learn about our business, right, uh, and find out what stage we're at. Like, uh, we got recommended to a financial consultant who, uh, you know, was like he came, he met us, loved what we were doing, and when he asked us the numbers, uh, we were doing, uh, I guess, less than one lakh rupees of sales in a month. In a, you know, around that time. Uh, first or second month of our business even though the inquiries began because on the outside it looked really good but our business was really small and um, you know the the consultant refused to even take on our mandate to pitch us to investors uh, until we uh, you know 10 or 20 x our business he said like you know I'd be happy to take your mandate to pitch your business to investors once you you know take your business from where it is today to at least 10 to 20 x right and that's when we sat down and we you know uh, said okay like within the next uh, you know six to eight months we need to hit those numbers you know we need to find a way to grow our business to hit those numbers and uh, that's when we went back to uh, you know that uh, that financial consultant and said that okay now we're here uh, and we've you know uh, hit the targets that you laid out for us so that the goals that you wanted to reach and um, he was happy to actually take on our mandate and help us um, you know uh, pitch our business to investors and help us with our first round of fundraising so yes uh, that's a true story yeah, I mean, I saw that somewhere and I found that very, very interesting and uh, real. And uh, yeah, so thank you, Irman, for joining us. I'm just going to see. I don't think there are any more questions. No, there are no, no more questions. But, oh, there we go. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite type of food to eat and the one dish to make which is your favorite? So my favorite type of food to eat is Thai food and my favorite dish is uh a Thai curry rice and I cooked that for dinner last night and had some of the leftovers for lunch right before this call. Okay, so, um, I'm happy to take on a few more personal questions if there are. Okay, there we go. Very interesting. How did you go about your product? Did you approach an agency and if so, how did you go about? Uh, okay, so uh, thanks Prashi. Uh, so Prashi, branding was uh, entirely done in-house and my co-founder Ashwajit Singh uh, you know, did the uh, did all the initial branding. So, so there are two parts of branding. One is, uh, you know, brand strategy. You know, the idea of what what you want the look and feel of the brand to be like, and the other is the actual graphic design part of it, right? Where someone's actually designing your packaging for you. Uh, so, all the packaging ideas of what our packaging should look like, what the communication on our product should be, was all Ashwajit. Uh, whereas the first graphic designer that we hired. Uh, or that we worked with was the person who used to sit beside me doing graphic design at my previous job, right? He would see me on my computer wondering what I'm up to the whole day. And, uh, you know, I, I asked him to help us with the initial designs. So our first logo and the first few designs were made by a co-worker. So any of you all working at firms right now, thinking of your next big idea, enlist your uh, co-workers to help you out, right? Uh, as, we, as, we, as we began to grow, uh, you know, we have a, a friend of ours, Vinay Gupta, uh, who actually is a freelancer in New Delhi, is a very dear friend. So he, uh, you know, uh, worked on our uh, packaging after that, right? So it was only only until two and a half years into the business that we uh, hired an in-house graphic designer and worked with a professional agency at one point in time. But 
you know, all through, uh, all through the beginning, like we worked with friends, family, and even uh, you know, uh, you can find a lot of freelancers on Upwork, uh, etc., where uh, you can work with them. So I'd say, you know, be very conservative about your talented young individuals who might be able to do the job, uh, you know, better. At you know, uh, worked on our uh, packaging after that, right? So it was only only until two and a half years into the business that we uh, hired an in-house graphic designer and worked with a professional agency at one point in time. But, you know, all through, uh, all through the beginning, like we worked with friends, family, and even, uh, you know, uh, you can find a lot of freelancers on Upwork, uh, etc., where uh, you can work with them. So I'd say, you know, be very conservative about your spend and you'd find a lot of, talented young individuals who might be able to do the job uh, you know better as compared to an agency because not everyone can afford big agencies that was a good question thank you how did you go about the pricing initially because that determines where you would place the product okay so thank you Nikita um, so pricing uh, you know so initially uh, we, we decided to do it. So the first product that we launched was a 1.5 liter brew box. Right? So it was a box with 1.5 liters of coffee. And uh, the pricing of that product was uh, based on two factors. One is always the cost of your raw materials and packaging, right? Um, so once you get, get all your raw materials, the packaging, uh, put it together, right? Uh, you have to look towards maintaining a 60 to 70% gross margin on that, right? So you price your product up by that much. Um, because that's what you need to maintain uh, to run a healthy business, right? And the uh, you know we, we ensured that our uh, MRP would be defined in a per cup value, right? So if we sell the box for six hundred rupees, it makes ten to twelve cups. What does it cost a customer per cup, right? So uh, even moving forward, like all the products, we try to always break it down into a per cup analysis, right? Because that's easier to convince a customer instead of saying, oh, you're not spending six hundred, you're spending six hundred rupees for the product, but you are spending you know, say 40 to 50 rupees per cup that you're drinking, right? And over time, we've also brought that per cup down, right? So uh, when you, you know, uh, now the, the hot brew coffee that you buy from Sleepy Owl is 30 rupees a cup, right? Which when bought in bulk goes down to 22.5. So we always uh, encourage people to think about pricing on a per cup basis. Because when you do that, you will realize that we're 10x cheaper than Nescafe, Starbucks, Davidoff, all of them. Then I think just since Ashdeep came up with the name. Yeah, so there's a question. How did you how did you think of the name Sleepy Owl? So Stuti, I didn't think of the name Sleepy Owl. My co-founder Ashdeep uh, came up with the name Sleepy Owl Coffee. Uh, but we had an interesting brainstorming exercise that we did that led to that name, for which I will take credit. Uh, so we we, we brainstorm uh, you know around having uh, you know allowing the name. To, to have, uh, you know, we decided very early on that it would be two words. It wouldn't be one word, right? And uh, the two words would also, um, we try and, you know, allow for it to have representation, right? That something, uh, something would uh, be in the name that uh, could, we could graphically represent and then people wouldn't need to say the name. They can see that and they'll know it's the company, right? So that's why we said, okay, if we have a bird or an animal in our name, it would really help. Uh, and one thing led to another and Ashtit came up with Sleepy Owl. And it works because Sleepy Owl is an oxymoron. 
uh, please tell us your favorite attire. So my favorite attire is I like wearing a plain black T-shirt. Uh, a lot of uh, you know famous and great entrepreneurs do this. They just wear the same thing every day because uh, it uh, reduces decision making time. So I have six black and six grey T-shirts, and I pretty much wear that uh, every single day. It's easy to pull out of your cupboard and move on. Yeah, thank you so much, Arman, for all answering all the questions. Thank you so much, Tisha. It was a pleasure. Happy. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. I'm so glad I got the opportunity to speak to Arman. Not only was this conversation super insightful and interesting, I think it was also so much fun speaking to him. and i hope you're all leaving uh, feeling inspired and motivated to work on that idea that's been with you for days months or years and uh, thank you for tuning in